Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to True Health Tuesdays, and the truth will set you free. Today's spinal surgeries, and this is a huge topic. I work with spinal cord um, surgery patients uh, every friggin' day. Okay, here's the risks of back surgery, and you got to figure for, I mean, nearly 27 years and 28 years in practice now, um, I've referred four people for back surgery. And that's out of tens of thousands of people. So it is needed in very, 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 very rare occasions. Now, what are the risks of back surgeries? Now, all back surgeries carry some risk. Um, and generally, risk of any back surgery include reaction to anesthesia or other drugs, bleeding, infection, blood clots in the legs or lungs, heart attacks, strokes, Recurrent disc herniation, nerve damage, which can result in weakness, paralysis, pain, sexual dysfunction, loss of bowel, bowel and bladder control. Um, now, spinal fusion. In a spinal fusion, a surgeon joins the spinal burn, bones called vertebrae together. This restricts motions between the bones, and the fusion limits the stretching of the nerves. It also alters the mechanics above and below the surgery site. Now, a laminectomy, this is on the back half of the vertebrae, and the nerves literally go underneath this area. Now, the surgeon will remove part of the bone, bone spurs, or ligaments in the back, relieving the pressure on the spinal nerves. Now, this may cause, be causing the pain or weakness. Now, a laminectomy can cause the spine to be less stable. If the spinal bones become unstable, a spinal fusion is usually performed. Spinal fusion may also be performed at the same time as a laminectomy. Now, a laminectomy, you literally, the, the joints of the spine are in front or anterior to the lamina. Now, you can remove the lamina and still not do a spinal fusion. The, the idea is that by removing the back half of the vertebrae, you de-stress out the pressure on those nerves. Um, ultimately, you need altered mechanics to have that. So it's not correcting the biomechanics. It's literally just de-stressing off by removing part of that spine. Now, this patient here, and this is one of the toughest ones to correct. When the fusion, um, the surgeon decides to bolt the lumbar to the sacrum, uh, this is hugely important because you completely alter the biomechanics. So this person's pelvis is going to be unstable for forever. Uh, and we can see what the, they did from the front and from the back. We've got the screws in the front of the spine and the back. And now this, they came, they came in after this. Now, for aminotomy, a surgeon cuts away the bone at the sides of the vertebrae to widen the space where the nerve root exits the spine. Now, this enlarged space may relieve pressure on the nerves, thereby relieving the pain. Now, a foraminotomy can sometimes reduce in the reduced stability of the spine, similar to what happens in a laminectomy. A spinal fusion may be done at the same time, but doing so increases the amount of time needed for recovery, but also helps prevent the spine from becoming unstable. Now, how is a foraminotomy performed? Literally, you're the foramen, it means whole. And this is where the nerve root exits the spine. So they're going to literally be cutting um, around that hole where the nerve exits to de-stress it out, to de-stress out the pressure on the nerve. So they're literally removing the bone around the foramina. Now, discectomy. 
This is a bulging, slipped, herniated, okay? And this is the cushion that separates the vertebrae may put pressure on the spinal curve, causing nerve or back pain. Now, the, the disc, which they're doing the discectomy of, you've got to understand this is 80 interconnecting rings of ligamentous tissue. Now, discs have a horrible blood supply. They get their nutrients through movement. So to have a disc bulge, herniated, slip disc, all of those things, you need to have a long-term abnormal motion of that spine. Now, in a discectomy, the surgeon removes all or part of the disc. A discectomy can then, through a large incision or through a smaller incision, using um, tools from outside of the body. A discectomy may be part of a larger surgery that includes laminectomy for aminotomy or spinal fusion. Now, the open discectomy, they literally open up the area and they remove the disc around that nerve root. In an endoscopic, they're going to put a camera in one side or an endoscope and literally guide the action of these. Um, it's, it's generally less invasive, but they're trying to remove the parts of the disc that are impinging on the nerve. Now, um, a disc replacement, this is very aggressive. This is when a surgeon removes a damaged disc and inserts an artificial disc in between the vertebrae. Now, disc replacement, um, it allows continued motion of the spine. Now, it's gaining popularity as an alternative to spinal fusion because when you fuse the area of the spine, the area above and below the fusion have to move twice as much. But replacing the disc, the motion is not exactly the same as a normal one. Now, the recovery time for a disc replacement may be shorter than for a spinal fusion in many people. As with any foreign object placed in the body, there is a risk of the device dislodging or failing. Now, when you see this, they literally have to cut the bone above and below to remove the disc. Then they place this artificial disc in there, and anytime you have an artificial um, object in the body, the body... Uh, it, it's really hard to accept that foreign object. Now, this is a patient literally had seven back surgeries. And we can see there's the bolts and screws on that left area, but the disc in between the vertebrae above and below uh, was the first part of the surgery. But when we're looking at the person standing up straight, what are we seeing on this x-ray? We're seeing a significant lateral deviation. And, and just think of this, sit up nice and straight, slide your thoracic area off to the side and keeping your shoulders level, where do you feel it? You're generally going to feel it in the low back. So this person has a significant lateral translation of the thoracic area contributing to the altered biomechanics of the lumbar. And this is why you've got to look at the entire spine uh, before doing a, a surgery. Now, a laminar implant. This is an alternative to spinal fusion. And in the laminar implant, a U-shaped device is placed between the, the two structures in the back of the bones and the lower back. Now, this props that posterior aspect or the back half of the vertebrae, those structures opening up. Now, this it can be done at the same time as a laminectomy and surgical relief of pressure on the spinal nerves. But unlike a spinal fusion, the implant provides stability without completely restricting motion. It does limit backward bending because you're forcing that area open where the area is placed, which helps to ease some of the pressure off of spinal stenosis. Now, when you see this, this literally 
forces that body or that vertebrae into a flexion state where you can't go back into extension. Now, this is a patient who's had it a couple of times. Now, knowing that the disc get their nutrients from the position motion of the vertebral segments, you need that motion to get the nutrients to the disc. So this is forcing that opening, that foramina where the nerve comes out open. So it can de-stress out that area, but you are limiting the motion of that, particularly in extension, and that can alter the nutrients to this. And, you know, these are all my patients we're looking at. Now, the Johns Hopkins report, they said surgery for a herniated disc is no better than non-surgical treatment over the long term, according to the Johns Hopkins report. Now, transfer lesions. A patient may experience recurrent pain many years after a spinal fusion. This can happen because the level above or below a segment that has been successfully fused can break down or become a pain generator. And this is super common, so common, there is a billing code for it. It's called failed back surgery syndrome. And when you hear syndrome, be cautious because that means that, you know, it just kind of happened. They don't know why. It's also called post-laminectomy syndrome. Just know that each of those vertebral segments have to move and they're connected to the one above and below. And if you fuse an area, the area above and below that fusion have to move twice as much to compensate. Now, what's the likelihood of surgery for workers with back injuries? Well, if you go to a surgeon or an MD, you're going to get a surgical recommendation. If you go to a chiropractic, a doctor of chiropractic, um, they're, they're going to utilize all the therapies that they have, structural realignment, disc rehydration, um, changing the position of motion, altering the biomechanics, stabilizing the pelvis. And when I say altering the biomechanics, when you have back pain, your body is going to shift above and below that area. It's, the pelvis typically is going to be unstable. The gait is going to be unstable. So every aspect has to be addressed in order to de-stress out the spine. And this is where I think the surgeons are really missing the part to look at the entire body. Because if you have loss of curve in the neck, this can move that 12 to 15 pound head. You're talking like seven to eight kilos forward or off to the side. That's going to change the force loading on the back. So you have to look at the overall. And I typically joke with my patients. I say, yeah, you get a surgical recommendation from a surgeon. <laughs> you know, if you want your muffler changed, you don't go to the paint car paint store. Surgery is not effective. From the Division of Epidemiology, Biostatistics, Department of Environmental Health, University, Cincinnati College of Medicine in America, Ohio. Quote, researchers reviewed records of 1,450 patients in the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation database who had diagnoses of disc degeneration, disc herniation, and radiculopathy, where the pain's going away from the site of injury a nerve condition that causes tingling and weakness of the limbs. Half of the patients had surgery to fuse two or more vert vertebrae in hopes of curing the low back pain. The other half had no surgery, even though they had comparable diagnoses. So what was the result? After two years, only 26% of those who had surgery actually returned to work. And that's compared to 67% of the patients who didn't have the surgery who did return to work, even though they had the exact same diagnosis. 
So when you're looking at this, that translates to a 74% failure rate where they do the surgery to get people back onto work, but they're not responding correctly. So that suggests that you have a 257% better chance of returning to work if you avoid surgery in the first place. Now, another troubling finding from the report, the researchers determined that there was a 41% increase in use in the painkiller, particularly opioids, uh, in those who had surgery. Now, there is a lot of studies that show if you're using opioids beyond five days, the opioids can contribute to an increase in pain, Uh, and it's called opioid sensitivity syndrome. Now, here's a patient, and what we're going to do, they had a microdiscectomy, which is actually much preferred over the fusions um, and post-surgical pain. But when we're looking at this patient standing up straight, you can see, again, there's a lateral deviation. The spine's not straight. The whole body is translated off to the side. So what we want to do, we want to do a stress x-ray. That means you take that patient, you get that pelvis stabilized, you bend them off to the side, and when the body starts to recruit that pelvis, you stop, then take an x-ray. Then you bend them to the other side. Once that pelvis starts to recruit, you stop, and then take an x-ray bending the other way. Now, when you're bending, the convexity, the outside of the curve, should open up where the discs are wider on the outside, narrower on the inside. What you're seeing here is multiple areas of disc dysfunction where the disc is actually wider on the concavity. And that means that 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 abnormal disc motion, which is based on the body's perception or proprioceptive awareness of itself. So if you have a lateral translation of the thoracic area forward head carriage, unstable pelvis, altered mechanics of the foot and knees, your body is going to adapt. That's why you've got to look at the entire structure. But taking stress x-rays of the lumbar, particularly in post-surgery cases, is vital to identify where the problem is. Because if you've had any type of surgical intervention, it's going to create scar tissue and altered biomechanics. But it may not be the biomechanics that the surgeon worked on. Because remember, when you do a surgery, You're altering the mechanics above and below that surgery site. Here's a patient. Okay, we're looking at laminectomy, surgical fusion, and um, artificial disc. And what do we do? We bend the spine to one side, bend it to the other side. We're seeing an abnormal disc at T12L1 um, bending off, and this is the patient facing us. So when they're bending off to the right-hand side of the film, it's actually the left-hand side of their body. Then into the right side, which is the film on the left, we're seeing very little motion of that disc. Um, So literally, you do not work on the surgery site. Now, this is one of the toughest ones where the surgeon has bolted the lumbar to the sacrum. And this is going to completely alter that sacral iliac joint for forever. So you have to get a trochanter support to stabilize that area. But you got to correct the biomechanics of the knees, the hips, the feet, the pelvis, stabilizing, correct their thoracic deviations or loss of curve in the cervical spine. So that is how you approach somebody with multiple surgeries. Now, here's a patient who literally got surgical fusion from C3 down to the lumbar. Now, when they did the surgery in the thoracic area, they actually removed parts of the bone. So there has to be some type after the that laminectomy was performed and they, you need to have some type 
of stability in that thoracic area. So they, I sent them back to the surgeon to say, look, there's no reason the surgery needed to be performed in the neck. And the surgeon agreed. So the picture on the left is what they looked like before the surgery, or second surgery to remove the bolts, because this gal, she was able to carry a bag of concrete across her yard. Um, you know, she loves gardening and things. And um, before the surgery, afterwards, she couldn't. Now, also, some of the secondary problems of using this many segments is you're limiting the in input into that brain. And so there started to be some motion, some some tremors and things. And this is the brain trying to adapt to that altered information up to the brain. The surgeon removed all these bolts and screws. They had to put in some other screws and bolts because that they literally removed parts of the bone so it was completely unstable. I was able to do some adjustments above and below, uh, but we had to get this, this patient on a lot of vitamin C IVs because their, their absorption was very, very poor. We had to get them on a lot of nutrients to help with some of the chronic inflammatory conditions created by the multiple surgeries. That's a, that's a tough one. Now here's, uh, I changed her name eight years after uh, a, a cervical trauma, um, paraplegic. She did have use of her arms. Um, but you know, you're looking at a significant traumatic scoliosis. You're also, and this is her wheelchair, though, those two uprights in the back at abnormal bowel gas. So she did have a leaky gut. So she had poor nutrient absorption. Um, but the way that you see, if you can help this patient is the static x-ray is the neutral one. And we can see, even though there was a reverse curve that, that the surgeon didn't correct that reverse curve. Now there may have been a crush injury. That's why they put that disc spacer in there. Then they bolted it. So in an emergency trauma like this, the surgery could have saved her life. Okay, I don't know. Okay, but this is what you have to work with. So you can't say, oh, I wish they did this or I wish they did that. Once you got a surgery, this is what you got. So just like Teddy Roosevelt said, do what, what you can with what you have where you are. So how do you tell if you can help this patient? Well, you do an extension x-ray. And when we bend her head back like this, we can see it actually de-stresses that out. And the more normal of a cervical spine curve you can get in there, the more you're going to de-stress out that cervical spine and restore what nerve supply she can have even post-trauma and post-surgery. Got to do those stress x-rays. So when you're correcting um, post-surgical intervention or you're preventing post-surgical intervention, it's not the site of the surgery or the site of the trauma or the site of the pain. I have never seen that. We're talking tens of thousands of patients. You got to look at the entire structure. Now, number one, when we say nerve supply, it's not just the nerves that are damaged from that altered biomechanics or altered surgery. You got to look at why it's there. So the surgeons typically only look at the site of pain, and then they're going to utilize an MRI, which literally you're laying on a flat plate. A magnet spins around you, gravity is pushing down, the table's pushing back, and inflammation distorts the image of the MRI. So they're not looking at the entire spine. They're for sure not looking at the biomechanics of the hips, the knees, the pelvis, the feet, on how this person adapts to the environment. And when you're in a chronic state of stress, which is pain, 
that means that you are in a sympathetic dominant state, so you're not able to regenerate the tissue. So you've got to look at proper nerve supply. That means automatic nervous system or autonomic function. Exercise, quadriplegics, paraplegics, in every state of health, you can do some type of symmetrical exercise, even if someone else is moving it. But exercise is going to be the key, even if it's just diaphragmatic breathing exercises. Those will help. Um, proper nutrition. This means if man makes it, you don't eat it. The nutrition is going to be just like your great-grandparents. What happened to them? They ate nothing but organic, free, healthy, free from preservatives, relatively fermented foods. And then sufficient rest. This is when your body regenerates. Look at our sleep-restricted videos so you can reset your circadian rhythm. And then prayer and meditation. Every Every study involving prayer and meditation shows better tissue regeneration. And when you have a relationship with the creator, man, God built you, your body can regenerate. And doctors that understand that are more successful. Now, now post your, your questions, and we're going to get to as many as we can. So post your questions down below, share this video, and please subscribe. God bless you all. Stay healthy, my friends. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.